My name is Hannah VP and you're listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast called Chasing Dreams and for being here on episode number 37, where I have another wonderful friend I want to introduce to you guys, and she's doing some fun things with uh, her life, and um, we met under some of the most fun circumstances thanks to social media and television. Her name is Tanavi P, and she is a closet nerd till she discovered the fandoms of Chuck and Haven. After working at Nerd HQ in San Diego, conventions quickly became her perfect pastime where she realized she could combine her nerd curiosity with her love of journalism, and she became an entertainment reporter. She now also works for MCM Comic-Con, hosting the MCM Buzz Stage, and has moderated panels for Walker Stalker Con. Her interest is mainly genre TV, but she's always looking for the next new thing to fangirl over. And she is a huge fangirl. Welcome to the show. It's my friend, Tanavi. Hey, girl. Hi. How are Hi, you? You're right. Really good, thank you. So I'm How are you? stoked to have you on the show because we have been friends since the days of Haven. Oh, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> true. Right, been a while now. Yeah, it, it has been, but that wasn't your first fandom um, love, right? No, no. So, gosh, going back a ways now, um, probably my first like real sort of trip into fandoms and knowing what it was to be a nerd and things like that was when um, Chuck came around, um, which is an NBC show that started in two thousand seven. And it was um, led by a guy called Zachary Levi, I suppose, for those of you who don't know, um, who played the main title character, Chuck. And I totally fell in love with that show. Um, and I was in my late 20s at the time, which is probably slightly embarrassing. Um, and I really didn't know what it was to be a nerd at that time. I didn't know anything about Comic-Con. I didn't know, you know, what fangirling was or, you know, what was out there in the nerddom. And then, so I started watching that show religiously, really, and then went online, I guess, like, you know, other obsessors do, and started reading sort of fan pages, and um, Twitter was sort of gathering speed sort of towards the mid-seasons of that show. And then through Twitter, I sort of learned a bit more about it, and also started to meet people vicariously. Um, Wait, wait, when you say you met people vicariously you're talking about fans online through like how we met you know social media yeah exactly yeah so not in person but via the medium of yeah and um, twitter and um fan pages and sort of various sort of different medium media where you could comment really and now Zach- and zachary I'm- levi is also correct me if i'm wrong the um founder of nerd hq right absolutely yeah well so he um 
developed. I mean, he started um, promoting, I guess, the nerddom um, when he joined Twitter. And then shortly later, uh, when was it now? Probably about 2010, I think it was. He set up a website called thenerdmachine.com. And initially, it was just um, merchandising, T-shirts and mugs and things like that, socks, I think, um, that you could buy with the Nerd Machine logo. And he really, for me, defined what a nerd was. And he essentially just said it's somebody who's passionate about something. It doesn't matter whether it's a TV show or whether it's basketball. If you're passionate about something and you love it, um, and then you're a nerd. And it just struck home to me. And I suddenly realized, like, oh, my God, that's what I am. You know, that's... <laughs> You realize I mean, no, you it really, too it are really a nerd. was odd. Yeah, it's like a weird epiphany. The age is like 30. And, um, and so I suddenly thought, yeah, that's me. And when you define like that and in, in the realms of the nerdism, you suddenly feel like you've, you've gained a family, like you have met a whole other bunch of people like yourself who love something as much as you do and understand what it is to be a fangirl and be a nerd. And essentially, that's what the Haven, Haven family and the Czech family was was like for me. So, so because I was a Czech fan and I ended up sort of meeting other Czech fans through social media, I decided to go to Ned HQ, which was um, Zachary Levi's Nerd Machine's first um, convention, basically. And it was an offshoot of San Diego Comic Con in a way, because um, it was running at the same time it was in San Diego. And... People who were attending Friday Comic Con were doing panels at um, the Net HQ, but it was all for charity, which was also, I think, which was really cool. And their aim was to like make smaller panels as well and have you know their own volunteers. So around 2012, um, when I realised that they were they were setting up for their second Net HQ um, in San Diego, I decided to apply to be a volunteer. And I luckily got accepted, and um, so yeah, I made plans to go to NerdHQ and met up with lots of other nerds there, and had a fantastic time. Got to watch panels and you know sort of meet a few a few stars like Nathan Fillion and people like that. And that really, for me, just fueled fueled things. So I started writing a little bit for um, a fan site called NerdyGirls.com. Um, and that was fairly short-lived at that time, but um, it really sort of made me, I suppose, I cement my idea that I was a nerd. Um, but then I didn't really have much time at that time to sort of, I guess, look into it or pursue it as, as anything other than a, and a hobby and an isolated one at that, because I really was a closet nerd. I didn't tell anybody that I loved Chuck and I was a nerd, and, and that was Basically, what I did every day was come home and look at look at all this nerdy stuff. So you were keeping um, this like a like a secret from from your friends and family in the real totally. world. Totally. But so you, had, you were kind of leading a it. dual life. Yeah, basically. Like I did try and explain it once to one of my best friends, and she just she was just like, "What are you doing?" Because then um, Zachary Levi came to Birmingham, which was where I in the UK, which is where I was living, to do a convention, and I didn't never knew that these conventions existed for you know, specific shows. And um, so it was a fan convention for Chuck and I think the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, something like that. Um, so I was like, and I was hosting nights in um, A&E at the time. Um, yeah, sorry. 
so I was I was really tired. I was like, I could just go to like go to it straight after work and and go and see him. She's like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? You know what is all that this? That sounds like someone what would you even who's do? not a fan, who is not a nerd of something. Not. She she still doesn't get it. So um, <laughs> so it put me off. It made me realize. I was like, what am I doing actually? I don't know. And when you don't really know anyone else around you who sort of can understand it or um, entertain the idea, then it makes it makes you feel a little bit more of an outsider. But obviously, having been to then nerd hq and meeting all these people who did understand and were in the same boat as me and had traveled you know lots of miles to come and and do all this nerdy stuff it made me realize actually that there's a whole world out there that i was just missing out on that really suited me and i encourage anybody to get involved because comic con you know even if you don't know much about um, entertainment TV, pretty much everybody has at least one TV show or movie that they love and there is going to be some sort of fandom for that show and that's essentially all it is really that's what fangirling is and, and for me, not just fangirling, just, it's also fanboying fan, just fanboying, fandom. yes that's true, we should not be let's not, let's not discriminate, <laughs> boys are just as let's not they, they also are, are out there, right? So. I mean look Absolutely. at Zachary Levi I, mean, I think Absolutely. And and I think also, well, I think traditionally comic cons and those sort of conventions were full of fanboys, um, especially comic conventions. Speaking to people now who've been working in the comic con industry for about 20 odd years, they tell me how it all started in small rooms with, you know, like m- not much bigger than somebody's living room. And you'd have three or four comic book artists there and it would be a whole bunch of, of guys who'd read every comic and knew every um, scene essentially but it's definitely become a lot more mainstream and one of the things that surprised me when I was at Nerd HQ was just how many women were there because I was expecting that sort of stereotype that it would be more fanboys and people who are really into sci-fi and genre shows but it wasn't it you know it, 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 everything has become a lot more mainstream that was previously considered Well, yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing about it, right, is that Comic-Cons and Nerd Nerd HQ, the Nerdist, a number of different websites and fandoms have made it uh, acceptable to people in the real world to kind of be a fan, be a nerd for something you like or are passionate about. I mean, the great thing about Nerd HQ, which Tanavi was saying, is it's actually right adjacent to Comic-Con. So, you get that experience, whether you're in the Comic-Con or you're just going to the Nerd HQ headquarters. It's just, it's such an amazing feeling of positivity. And I've written this before and said it on social media. If you ever go to a Comic-Con, and it could be Awesome Con, it could be um, New York Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, mm-hmm. or whatever Comic-Con is around you, UK, uh, Canada, whatever. It's a very positive atmosphere, and it just feels... The negativity mm. and the politics of the world don't really have a place no. there. People you are, don't get judged. Yeah, you I don't. Think. That's great. That's, yeah, you don't yeah. get judged. Anything goes. I think Zachary Levi described his first Comic Con as a love-in, and I think that's you know a good term. It is almost like everyone just gets in a room and goes, you know, we love you all, we love each other, and we're here to have fun. And you know, it's rare that you see somebody up, upset you know, um, at a, at a convention. 
I mean, people walk around with those free hug signs, you know, just like, come give me a hug. <laughs> yeah, and you have, you have <laughs> And I think that really describes the tone of the whole convention. It often, does, because you, know, you have just, young, you have old, you have boys, you have girls, you have different um, denominations, you have different uh, religions, you have different just cultures. Everybody, it doesn't matter what you are, mm. you're a human being to everyone there. And it's it's great to mm. see everyone kind of support each other. And that's, that's what it is. And I mean, that's kind it of is. how we became friends. We, um, for those who are <laughs> unfamiliar, Tanavi and I met through our love of Haven. And, you know, in my past life, I did the Revisiting Haven blog and podcast, and which is still up and available yep. at revisitinghaven.com. And, you know, we kind of interacted on social media. We did. And I mean, one of, because I, I loved what you were putting out there on social media. And um, I needed, I mean, after having visited the, um, being able to visit the set and meeting the cast and doing some amazing things like that, I needed a platform really to put that up. I wanted to share it with the fans. Because I'm not basically what drives me is often the fandom. Rather than any kind of personal gain, you, even if you, you know, put up, one article or do something that one person looks at and like it it gives it fuels you it makes you feel that it's, it's worthwhile and as a fan I know that I'm looking to find out those things so I kind of think well there's people out there who can't come and do it themselves I'm kind of doing it in a way for them <laughs> obviously I love it yeah, um, I mean you did yeah, something really cool and that was well, great that's what you helped me with you, you know you gave me that yeah you know, opportunity to put that stuff out there well, you know, you did something really cool with um, taking the Haven UK fan club, right? And yeah. you went to Nova Scotia where Haven films and you met people from the cast and crew there. Now, did yeah. you have any intention? Did you kind of go in blind doing that? What what made you want to do this? Because you did it during uh, a summer, I think. I was I think, yeah. between season three and four or four and five. Yeah. Um, so randomly, um, I think it was around March time or something, actually maybe, yeah, about March time in 2014, um, Eric Balfour sent a tweet out and it had a picture of, um, the first, the cover page of one of the scripts and he lied as I was at that time. Um, I noticed that in the top right hand corner was the address for the production company and I had heard that people had gone to um, Haven, um, Haven, I say Haven, Chester, which is where Haven was being filmed in Nova Scotia and being able to visit the set. So I was really, really interested in maybe trying to do that. And um, so I took down the address of the production company and I wrote off to them. And a little while later, I got um, an email back saying we would really like, if you'd like to come, we'd like to show you around. So you can come and, you know, visit the set if you sort of, can, can make it here and, and tell us when you're coming. And I was so excited that basically I then organized like a whole trip to Canada around that. And it was actually in the end, although I'd been planning it for a while, um, in the end it was got quite last minute because I ended up wanting to go with a friend who couldn't go and then went with a couple of um, friends, Sarah and Lawrence, who had actually met randomly again at a Comic Con when uh, other Haven actors, so Kate Kelton and Richard Donner, played Jordan and Vince in the show um, had come to talk at a Comic Con 
So the three of us decided that we were going to go to Canada try to organize everything. And I really didn't expect any more than going to that one day um, for maybe a couple of hours and getting to look around, not even knowing if we did any of the cast. Um, and again, you know, being on Twitter with the Haven um, family, as we call them, all the other Haven fans, um, I wanted to try and write about the experience and take pictures and try and involve people who I knew wanted to come but weren't able to come to visit the set. So in order to do that, I had the idea to make a poster with all the different Twitter handles of people that I talked to on Twitter about the show and take pictures of that poster around the place, essentially to give them a feel like they were there and we were thinking of them while we were in Haven. And then, yeah, and so people kind of responded well to that. And when I got there, within, I think, like the first, the second day I was there, I bumped into Lucas Bryan, <laughs> which was fantastic, like, to first meet him. Um, and then one of the other Haven uh, fans knew Glenn, who plays Dan. So he, he, she organised for us to meet him, and we all just kind of went to the club and had a great time, which was really, really great. Because you never know when you meet actors whether they're going to be as great as you think going to be in real life but it's very true it's a concern that many people have i mean you don't what's the saying you don't necessarily want to meet your heroes you should meet your idols or yeah yeah something something like like that that. because you don't know they could be a one their character is one of your favorites on the show but the actor or actress is kind of a jerk in real life it's better to live in ignorance if that's the case (laughs) yeah and so for me when i went to nova scotia i really wanted to see the locations because for anyone who watches the show you know that it, the locations that they film in are just stunning and really part of the show. And I, um, yeah, and I just, I love the look of it. And when we got there and we were sort of wandering around, we got to do a bit of that, just sort of taking pictures in different places. But then I think it's like the second day that we were there, we bumped into Jane Eastwood at dinner, who plays Gloria on the show. And she was just, fantastic and she sort of let me interview her then and there and I'd never really done that before but it, I just we were just talking and I just said well you know can we record it and it ended up being like a, quite a nice little 10 minute interview and she was really really amenable and then and she ended up sort of telling everybody on the show that um about us and then I get got to set I think it was like a day or two later and Sean Pillow and everybody there knew who we were and it was a shock and then, and then after that, we sort of went back to set again, and we got to talk to like um, a couple of others. And then, by the end of the week, we'd organised a party with the with some of the cast, like Lucas Bryant and Adam Copeland and Eric Balfour and um, and Jenny Stewart. And so it was just it was fantastic, and so we managed to get some of the fans um, who were coming in, as well as the cast. And yeah, it was just really really great. Yeah, Never you had done this impromptu. Like Haven, Haven band party. Cast party thing and you know it's amazing because you also were able to give and take pictures with the cast with the um poster you made and guys if you yes. want to see what Tanavi did her articles and her photos in the gallery is all live and still uh, available to listen to as of today on revisitinghaven.com check it out check the show notes page if you want a faster link um it's there 
you had this experience. So you have another positive experience, right? You have Nerd HQ success. Y- mm-hmm. You'd say this Haven experience is a success too, right? Absolutely. I mean, that really wasn't planned at all. It really, I wasn't expecting to meet anybody, especially from hearing what other fans had said. It's, you know, it's very hit and miss when you're wandering around a place whether you're going to meet any anybody. And um, so we, I felt really, really blessed to do that. And, and then you've really done this, fun. you've had this experience, and then you go back to the UK. How, what, yeah. Where's your head at now? Because you have a day job, right? What, what do you do for? Do. What do you do in your regular life that you hide from everyone else? I know I'm a doctor. I'm a GP, or well, general physician, and um, so at that time I was working full time as well. Um, so this was really just a holiday thing, and then trying to write a little bit in the evenings for the Sci-Fi Haven or Revisiting Haven website. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, what happened when I was out there um, was we'd met one of the production managers and I'd had an idea previously anyway to not only write about the locations and take photos, but maybe film a little bit in the locations because they are stunning and, and you just get a better view, don't you, um, of the location when you're filming it. So we did kind of little walking tours, essentially, about around some of the more um, prominent sets, like the Grey Girl, um, and put them up uh, online. And being there with Sarah and Lawrence, essentially using Lawrence as my cameraman, he was really the one who encouraged me to do it, to do more. And so we tried to make some website um, webisodes, and we called them Haven Unplugged. And it was essentially just behind-the-scenes stuff from Haven. I mean, we really got really got a lot of access, which was fantastic. So, for example, we got to go inside the Grey Girl when they weren't filming there. We got to go inside the Haven Herald, the newspaper, when they weren't filming there, um, and, you know, find out a bit more about it, but also, you know, and take a lot of pictures and just, find out stories so it it seems worth making it into a kind of an episode and then I'd never really filmed anything before it was the first time I tried to use a teleprompter which is hilarious and then and Lawrence kind of made me kind of a little studio I guess um in his place and and we tried making two or three of the episodes and I think after that having somebody encourage you that much to go you can really do this you're natural you can you can talk on screen. I think that's what really made me decide to do more. So apart from the day job, then I decided to, when I went to the Comic-Con, to actually try and interview people as opposed to just going as a fan and chatting to them but not really doing anything formally. And that was just um, your choice, like, right? That That's something you felt like you could do because you'd, you'd done it earlier with Haven. It went well. Mm-hmm. And here you mm-hmm. are still attending Comic-Cons, especially in the UK, like, why not expand the role, do videos? Were you doing interviews at the Comic-Cons of people you were familiar with, or were you just going with, hey, there's someone, let me try that? Well, we did a bit of both, actually. Um, So whenever you go to Comic-Cons, you normally know a few of the people who are going there, and there's always lots of people that you don't know as well. Um, I really would like some encouragement from my friends. I, I decided to interview them I'd always had a love for reporting and I'd always wanted to be a journalist but ended up becoming a doctor and then just kind of you know let it sort of simmer really um but after Haven that just kind of reignited my passion 
to try and I felt positive that I could do it then because I, I tried it in Haven and then it had it gone well. So the first one we went to was Birmingham Comic Con and that in, in the UK and that was I think back in gosh, like November twenty fourteen. Um and I interviewed a couple of people who I did know, like um Andrew Lee Potts, who's a British actor in a show called Primeval. He was my first interview. And it went really well and it was just just live, just into like a camera phone basically. Um and I hadn't really prepared but I knew his work. And yeah, it went well. And so after that, then I did about four or five interviews at that convention. A couple of people that I didn't know, such as um, RJ Mickey from Breaking Bad. Um, and so my friends just gave me a little bit of um, prep, really, um, prior to interviewing him. But really what I found was all you have to do, essentially, is just listen. Listen to what somebody's telling you. Ask an open question so that allows somebody to have you know, a more, um, a, a better answer or a um, more random answer or not just a sort of categorical or discrete short answer. And then just see what where they go. Because um, even when you plan it, even when you have lots of interview questions, you never know really where, where it's going to go. It's very true. Um, uh, interviews and, can, can either go really well or go horribly wrong, depending on... <laughs> On your subject and the circumstances, or if a publicist comes and pulls them before you're even ready to to go. I mean, I'm sure you have a number of stories of uh, successes and and maybe funny stories of how interviews have gone. But you have an interesting story that I want you to um, share quickly with the the audience about how you became a moderator for MCM. Oh, for MCM. Um, Essentially, after doing some of the interviews, around the Comic-Con. Um, I'd gone to London MCM Comic-Con and they'd started um, what we, they called the MCM Buzz stage, which was a live streaming stage. So what that meant was that guests that they had attending the convention um, were being interviewed on the live stage and it was being live, live streamed um, to their YouTube channel. And so it just had a very small audience, but um, I'd, I was one of the people that had actually seen the show and I loved it and I'd always thought that was, they should do something like that so I just went up to the stage when I saw it in London and um, it happened to be um, an LA reporter that they'd actually flown over to host the MCM Buzz page that, um, for that convention I guess because they didn't have anyone else to do at that time um, and so we started chatting and, um, and then I just and chat a little bit to um, essentially the sort of film graduates who are running the production side of it. And essentially said, I love, you know, I love the Comic Cons. Um, I like to report. I've done a few interviews around the Comic Con, but anything that you can, you know, teach me or if I can help you guys, I'd love to volunteer and be involved in the stage. And then so then didn't hear anything back. Literally then I was going up to the next Comic Con about six weeks later. I was driving up to Birmingham Comic Con. So it was actually like, yeah, one one year since I'd gone to the previous Birmingham Comic Con and done my first interview. And um, I get a phone call at like 7.30 at night while I'm on the motorway um, going, oh, yeah, this is one of the um, managers of the Comic Con. And uh, we heard that you're um, an interviewer and we saw some of the, we got your card, we kept it, we looked at some of your stuff online 
and we think you'd be a really great host and can do it tomorrow morning. And I was like, what? Yeah, you didn't see that coming, <laughs> um, did you? I did not see that coming. And um, so, and but I was elated. I was just, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, they give me the opportunity. And I think the first thing that hits you is panic. Oh my God, I'm not ready to do that, especially for someone like me because I don't have any experience on, on camera really, on, you know, sort of live TV or anything like that. And you know, I'm just a beauty. And um, I did know a bit about a couple of the guests. And then so I said, yes, well, I can at least, you know, try the first panel. And if I'm horrible, you know, maybe I'll someone else to do it. But if not, we'll see how it goes. And then I got, got in that night to my friends. And she's like, right, just prepare all of them. Because you may never get a chance again. And that's absolutely true in anything that you do with, you know, when you have an opportunity to take it because you just don't know what's going to happen next. And then, so there were five um, guests on the stage that day, uh, on the Saturday, the next day. And so I just quickly tried preparing for a couple of hours the night before. So I had some questions for all of them. And yeah, it went really well, Um, even though I didn't know like what camera to look in and, you know, any of the kind of technical side of it. Because again, it was often really just, just asking a couple of questions and then just listening to the responses and, I'm clearly a fan myself, so I think when you have an excitement and a passion, it drives you to do it anyway. And then we got to the end of the first day, and it had gone well, and they sort of announced that the next day we'd have Liz Kyler, and uh, they needed someone to, to host her panel. So I was like, yep, I'll do that. <laughs> um, and that was that was huge for me. I mean, definitely like um, interviewing a, an A-lister was just really really special um but yeah really tiring like for because trying to sort of prepare for her i mean it's, and it's then, very, the thing about your story which is really cool is that you embraced the opportunity when it came you didn't necessarily yeah. seek it out it was just that the this random opportunity was available to you and there you were ready to take it and that's what I think is awesome is that you didn't hesitate. I mean, you probably thought you probably thought twice about it. But <laughs> I thought, oh God, but I definitely said yes. <laughs> yeah, you took yeah. a chance, and I think a lot yeah. of us uh, tend to overthink or sometimes say no to too many things. And you know, um, Shonda Rhimes in her book uh, d- did an experiment where for a year she said yes to everything, and, and it mm-hmm. made such a difference. And here you are. They're like, hey, will you do this crazy big thing like? being in front of people, recording, uh, moderating this panel of people you may not or may not know. How about it? Mm-hmm. And you're like, sure. Okay, <laughs> let's try this. And now, as they would say, the rest is kind of history. Now you've... How many how many panels would you say you've moderated now? Well, so since Birmingham, I've done three more Comic Cons or MCN. And I've done... Uh, one walker stalker um i mean it's it's probably i don't know it's probably close to 30 or 40 now that's amazing like that. that's awesome <laughs> and i mean you're doing yeah just in the two years ago it. you wouldn't be able to say that i know i think that's the weirdest thing for me is when i look back at even six months ago and just think god i can't believe that this has all happened so quickly and i think one of the things that that's great. I mean, yes, I I really feel like I was lucky in a lot of it. But I think part of it is creating your own opportunity. And, yeah. you know, that's what 
that's what distinguishes you from the sort of basic generic fan who goes, well, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be on panel and putting yourself out there and showing people what you can do. So for me, I guess, so for example, you know, having watched the buzz stage, I went and I found them and I said, I want to help you in whatever way, but I, I actually, my, my sort of forte lies in interviewing and I realized you might have an interviewer and I'm, I definitely didn't have any credentials at that time, but I had, you know, a few interviews on my website at that time, which I, I'd done around the Comic Con and other places. And um, enough for them to be able to watch it and go, yeah, you know, you think she's got potential. And guys, so you should you, you should check out her website, by the way. Um, <laughs> sorry to interrupt, Tanavi, but you guys should check it out. It's yeah. um, Why don't you tell them the website, the link and everything? Yeah, so my website is www.com fanisma.com um, F-A-N-I-S-M-A um, it's supposed to be fans with charisma that's what it is but I also I work for MCM Comic Con our YouTube channel is the MCM Buzz and our Twitter is at MCM Buzz um, so you can also find all the videos from MCM Comic Con on there and a few extra things as well so we do sort of walkabouts when we're at the conventions and just show people things like the stalls that you can um, buy all sorts of stuff at. Um, we interview people who are in the gaming area and um, people who are uh, cosplaying as well to get an idea of what, what people are wearing and all that kind of stuff that people love too, just fans of everything. So, yeah, along with obviously the star interviews. And you're, still, kind of- and you're still doing your day job and still ba- balancing this somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. So it's... With things like conventions, you tend to have busy periods and then sort of less busy periods. So at the moment, it's pretty busy. Um, so in the last five weeks, six weeks, I've done four Comic Cons in two different countries. Yeah, so in two days' time, I'm actually going to Sky Studios, Sky One Studios here in England, which is sort of the main network, um, main cable channel or satellite channel, I guess you call it. And then filming a show called DC Fancast which is sort of fan shows for um, all those CW shows like Legends of Tomorrow, Slash, Arrow, so Supergirl as well. So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to go on there, and that's more of an audience thing, but it's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Because that's, for now, I mean, apart from Chuck and Haven, my real sort of TV love at the moment is, is DC TV, and I've been lucky enough to go to the set for those shows as well and visit Vancouver Film Studios. So, yeah, that's kind of where my current interest lies. Yeah, and I've got more conventions and comic cons coming up. And that's the really cool thing is that you're still doing what you love and you're still finding a way to make everything work. And so, Tanavi, before we wrap up, how what what is one thing you would give or recommend to another person chasing their dreams? It could be a book, it could be a quote, it could be a piece of advice, anything. What would you tell sure. them? Um, well, I suppose a couple of things. Firstly, <laughs> have a coping strategy because um, when you're trying to sort of start a new second career, it can it can get busy. And for me, I find time-wise, actually, it's easier for me to do more when I'm happy doing what I'm doing. But have a coping strategy, whether it's like, you know, making a cup of tea and chilling out with a good, good book for half an hour or going for a run or whatever just find what works for you 
But, I mean, my mini mantra, which I sort of came up with about five years ago, was really when I realised that I could do more, is that I feel pretty much anybody can do pretty much anything. And you just need the three keys, which um, to me are motivation, opportunity, and intellect or talent. And the last two are interchangeable. And you realise that when you have those three, you, you can just do whatever you want to do. So a lot of it is just, you know, sort of believing yourself enough to take an opportunity. Um, and if you don't have, even if you feel like you want to do something but you have no idea how to do it, just just try, you know, start somewhere and just build up your basic skills. Um, and then you'll find that often opportunity will come along as well. Um, and trying to stay motivated, that's sometimes the hardest thing, especially being a doctor. I live in a world where you can do a hundred things right and no one will tell you anything. You do one thing wrong and everyone's breathing down your neck. So it's sometimes very difficult to give yourself credit for doing something well, but you need to you need to do that. Stay positive, keep motivated and yeah, just work towards doing more. Yeah, even if you're doing just doing what you love and no one else is taking notice, at least you're doing something that makes you happy. And that's some great advice, guys. And something I hope each of you will take to heart so that we can have fun stories for you like we do have for Tanavi, which is awesome. And I can't wait for you guys go to these Comic Cons. You might even run into Tanavi. Find her on Twitter. Let her know. Come say hi. Come say hi. Uh, And if you have a story like Tanavi's, definitely share it with us. We'd love to hear that. That would be awesome. Absolutely. So, Tanavi, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your story. It's one that I thought was amazing. Just on how it evolved. And so I do appreciate that. I appreciate it too. Thank you. And that was my friend Tanavi. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing her story as much as I enjoyed sharing it. You can find all the show notes and any links mentioned today on the show notes page for this episode at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 37. That's episode 37. Until next time, dream chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.